gestational diabetic. I am your host, Tracy Houston, and I am here to inform you and empower you so that you can be a confident member of your healthcare team. Quick medical disclaimer, none of the information in this podcast can be used to diagnose or treat any medical condition. If you have any concerns about your health, please discuss them with your healthcare team. Today on the episode, we have Madeline of diabetes.rd on Instagram. I love her Instagram account. She uses it as a resource to help inform people about diabetes and that you don't have to change everything overnight. You don't have to be crazy when it comes to cutting out foods in your diet, but you can still eat the things that you love. And all of her, she does great infographics, you guys. All of her infographics are so helpful and you can tell because the comments on it, she gets a lot of great feedback and the work that she's doing is great. And the great thing is she's doing it just out of a passion and a love in her heart for making sure that people are informed and are aware of diabetes and what comes along with it. You know, you don't have to make these huge changes overnight. You can do this step by step. And her goal is to be encouraging and remind you that diabetes is a one by one situation. It is not a one size fits all disease. So I had her on today because of one of the infographics that she made. She talks specifically about the keto diet and how it is not a sustainable treatment for diabetes. And so that really kind of turned some questions. And actually, it was a little bit controversial on her Instagram account, um, some comments on, on the infographic. So I wanted to bring her on so she could talk a little bit more about that. And so we talked about that, as well as not associating yourself with the disease diabetes. You are not a diabetic. You have diabetes and some other encouraging tips that she has. So let's get into it. All right, so Madeline, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing today? Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. It's yes. a pleasure to be here and I'm excited. Me too, I know. I love your Instagram account and um, I love the information that you share on there because I feel like it's really helpful and it is changing the mindset around the diabetes community or in the diabetes community about just how to handle and manage the, uh, diabetes. So can you get us started and tell us uh, who you are and what you do? Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much. So my name is Madeline Vasquez and I'm a registered dietitian. And currently I work in an endocrinology practice where I do nutrition um, along with diabetes counseling. So this is, you know, a very passionate role. It's a role that I've wanted for such a long time. And I'm so thankful that I'm able to be in this role because I'm able to impact those living with diabetes, which has always been my, my goal and my passion. That's awesome. So endocrinology, so you guys, you're working just strictly with women? So no. So I actually work with an array of individuals. So anywhere from teenagers, children and even adults and okay. men and both women. Gotcha. And so what led you to um, have a focus on diabetes? So this is such a, a, you know, personal question, but, you know, I like to highlight it so much because that's where my, you know, passion is driven. So ultimately, my passion for diabetes started with my grandmother. She, you know, had diabetes and was living with diabetes for a very long time. And unfortunately, because of her diabetes, 
she passed away. Um, mm. And that's when I decided that I wanted to initially my my goal was to be in the culinary industry because I understood that back then food had a huge impact in someone's life and I also saw how food impacted the course of her disease so ultimately when I went ahead and I started college I was a culinary major and then I transitioned into a culinary nutrition major when I realized that you can actually combine the two. And that's when I learned about becoming a dietitian. And it just, everything kind of fell together and came so nicely because I was able to see that I can combine cooking along with nutrition so I can impact those that were living with diabetes. So they knew that, you know, you can still enjoy the foods that you love, especially your cultural foods and still manage your health. Yeah, I know. That's why, um, that's actually what initially caught my eye on your IG account was that you were talking about being able to eat the same foods that you love, which I think is so important because if a person is going to make changes to their diet, it can't just be an overall, uh, overhaul overnight, you know, because there's a pretty big chance that that isn't going to last long, you know? So if someone, because we have a relationship with food, right? So if we're making smaller changes, then we're able to make those changes last longer and um, enter or all in all be healthier for the remainder of our lives, I would hope. Um, so yeah, so with cultural foods, can I ask what, um, what's your culture? So my family's from the Dominican Republic. Okay. Oh, so you guys eat a lot of rice and beans, right? Yes. Yes, we do. We eat a lot of rice and beans. So, I mean, what other, um, what other foods do you guys eat that, um, or meals even that would be probably considered not so great for diabetes or you would have to cut back on to kind of maintain the, the carb counts? So this is actually a really great question. And I'm so glad that you brought it up because what I teach my patients is, is that you don't necessarily have to stop eating the foods that you love, you know, just because you're diagnosed with diabetes. I, I, when I look at, you know, my grandmother and her experience, when she was diagnosed with diabetes, she was told she couldn't have rice, she couldn't have beans, you know, her idea was I, I can't have sugar. So uh, what people don't realize is that a lot of the foods that we do eat, contain sugar they naturally will turn into sugar in the body and right. one thing that i always emphasize to my patients is that sugar is sugar you know our body doesn't know the difference between apple the sugar in an apple versus the sugar in a cake so when i work with my patients i more or less teach them to have an understanding of the fundamentals of food and to you know more or less understand what foods are going to impact the blood sugars but how can we modify that those foods and pair them in a way where we're going to achieve healthy balanced blood sugars because that's the goal the goal is never to to have a patient feel like they're they shouldn't eat a specific food that they grew up you know eating specifically right. When I think about my, my grandmother, like she was raised on rice and beans. Imagine telling someone raised on rice and beans 
Yep. You can't have rice and beans. Yeah. What are they going to eat? And I see that continuously. Like it's a continuous pattern with a lot of my patients where, you know, they hear from their doctors or they read on the internet or they, you know, a friend tells them you can't have this, you can't have that, you can't have this. So in reality, it becomes frustrating to the patient because they automatically think that all they have to eat is vegetables and protein. Mm -hmm. And no, the reality is you can still incorporate the carbohydrates, but it's how much you're incorporating mm -hmm. and the how much is going to be different for everyone. And I always emphasize that because everyone is different and no two diabetes is the same. And I love to always emphasize to my patients, just because something worked for someone else doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. Right. Yeah, man, I could only imagine what your grandmother felt in that moment, because essentially what that person was telling her was to let go of your culture and let go of your childhood, let go of your what is essentially your life. And that is just crazy when you think about it in that context. Like, no, I can't just stop eating this. You know, it's more than just me deciding to be healthier for my life or deciding to do what's right for my blood sugar. No, you're, you're really asking for me or actually telling or demanding me to let go a piece of who I am. And I think actually if people looked at it, at it in that context, there would be a lot more sympathy when it comes to um, diabetes and changing the diet and the mindset around it, because it is, it's a lifestyle change that needs to happen, but that doesn't mean that we have to let go of parts of who we are, you know? So that's great. And I noticed something, when you speak, you say diabetes, you don't refer to, di to people with diabetes as diabetics. And I remember that as a post on your Instagram. Um, can, so can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely, I'm so happy that you brought that up. And when I say diabetes, I refer to it as people living with diabetes. And the reason being is because you're not your disease. At the end of the day, you're still a human and you're still, you know, a person. You have feelings and you're not your disease and your disease shouldn't frame who you are. So mm -hmm. those are the things that I work towards with my patients. I work towards empowering them and allowing them to understand like listen you have more control over your health than you think regardless of what your doctor's telling you regardless of what you're reading regardless of what you're seeing you have more control to manage your diabetes than you think and this isn't going to happen overnight because i emphasize this it starts with the small changes and it's very important to you know reframe your mindset because ultimately if you're just aiming for per perfection that's where the issue is going to lie and i mm -hmm. always emphasize that to you know my patients and my community on instagram it's about progression not perfection because diabetes is complex and it's very you know difficult to live a day-to-day -day perfect life because there's so many factors that can in influence that you know and just like diabetes it's not just food that impacts diabetes there's so many things that can impact someone's blood sugar so i also review that with my patients and i more or less 
give them an understanding of what is diabetes, you know, what you have to do to successfully manage your diabetes, but also what are those physical and environmental factors that can also, you know, influence diabetes because it's not just the food, you know, there's more to diabetes than just food. And I think that that's what society portrays it as like, oh, well, you have diabetes because X, Y, and Z, when in reality, no, there's many factors that can influence that. So allowing the patient to understand that or the person makes such a a huge difference. Yeah. So what are some of those environmental factors? I mean, I know um, stress is a big one that people talk about and also uh, sleep. Are there any others? So yeah, there's so many things. Like I, 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 actually posted about this recently someone's period can can cause it certain Mm -hmm. medications like I know that there's patients that will come to me with allergies and that throws their blood sugars off also if they're on steroids or there's some medications that will cause the increase in in blood sugars Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of things you know stress like you mentioned lack of sleep can cause it there's so many things that people are unaware of that they it doesn't allow them to look at the bigger picture they're just so fixated on well maybe it was something that I ate maybe I need to go low carb maybe I need to go keto maybe I need to try x y and z yeah instead of you know looking at it from a critical thinking perspective because there is a lot of critical thinking that entails into successfully you know managing your diabetes and working with someone that has diabetes yeah okay and yeah uh, mentioning keto you know i see when food bloggers uh or actually um well no it's mostly food food bloggers or people that are you know, real gung-ho about the keto diet when they're posting their meals and stuff on Instagram and, you know, they're trying to get more eyes on their Instagram account, they'll use a bunch of hashtags. And in the hashtags, they'll include diabetes, diabetic, type 1, type 2, and gestational diabetes, right? Mm -hmm. So now there's a lot of controversy around the keto diet surrounding it, I know. Um, But, well, first of all, can you start by telling us what does the keto and di- keto diet entail? Because a lot of people, I remember when it first became like a big hype, people were like, oh yeah, I could eat a pound of bacon <laughs> a day and that's still keto. And it's like, yeah, you can, but that's probably not the best thing to do for you, you know? So um, what what is the keto diet? So I'm going to start off by giving a little history of the ketogenic diet and why it was developed. So essentially it was developed to help um, people that were children that were suffering from epilepsy because being on the ketogenic diet will act- would actually help control the seizures. But what was happening with these patients was that it was resulting into weight loss. And essentially this was because the body's using ketos as, as energy. So okay. you're using fat to burn for energy instead of using sugar, which is the normal way that our body works. So I always say that somehow, in some way, the wellness industry got a hold of that, you know, and it was being, you know, portrayed as the magic formula to lose weight. 
because mm-hmm. even other doctors would, you know, use it on other patients. So I think that ultimately it was designed for one particular intention, meaning mm-hmm. to help from a medical nutrition standpoint for those suffering from epilepsy. And now people are using it for weight loss. So you see, you know, because it's low carb, you know, people are using it for diabetes because it's always perpetuated that those that have diabetes should eat low carb because it's going to help manage those blood sugars. But that's not necessarily the case. Gotcha. Yeah. And that seems like I don't know how it is in the rest of rest of the world, but in the United States, for sure, when it comes to health and wellness and um, our foods and just wanting to live healthier or lose weight, anything along those lines, it seems like somebody figures something out, one thing, and then boom, it's this huge explosion. And it's a fad thing. People jump on it. Everybody's crazy about it. It's working for some. It might not work for some others. But, you know, it's this huge push. And then here comes the next one, you know. So the first one kind of dies down, maybe loses a little gas. But, excuse me, now with our access to... um, internet and resources on the internet and people becoming more focused on, I know it's a, it's a a trendy term right now, evidence-based, evidence-based research. Uh, You know, things are kind of starting to turn around a little bit, but it's so hard to reverse the first impression and the mindset that was initially put out there. You know, like um, when Atkins first came out, I remember I was working at Wendy's at the time. I was a teenager and people were coming through ordering a triple burger, but with no bun. And I'm like, (laughs) it was so hilarious to me. And I did not understand it at all back then, but they were like, yeah, man, no carbs. It's it's Atkins. It's all good. And so I was like, okay, you know, so we started putting the, the burgers into this little salad container or whatever, excuse me. Um, and then Atkins actually went strong for a really long time. I didn't pay attention to it, but I know I kept hearing about it and it's still around today. And I mean, I'm not dissing the program. Um, I like their food and their snacks and they have good protein shakes and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, it seems like in America, we just have this huge push and then it becomes a whole lot of work to try to dial that back and actually get some true logic into what's going on. Because any, any fad diet that comes about, I don't think anybody continues that on for the rest of their life. You know, it's a person, it's within the person to decide which changes they want to make and, you know, if those changes are going to be sustainable. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that's what's happening with keto. And, but a lot of people like it and a lot of people, um, it's working for them, you know, and I'm not trying to diss anybody or anything like that, but you made a post and you said specifically that the keto diet is not sustainable for treating diabetes. Is that correct? Yes, it's absolutely not sustainable long-term. I mean, you will have some patients that you'll come across that are able to stand on keto and withstand it for maybe one year, two years, three years, but at what cost? 
Mm. You know, like when I work with patients and I've, cause I've had patients that come to me and they're like, well, I tried keto for, you know, X amount of time. I did see that my blood sugars were slightly better and I was losing weight, but it was very difficult when I was eating out mm. because mm-hmm. there, there are going to be times where you can't eat just fat and protein. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what the diet primarily runs off. Yes. They incorporate vegetables, but it's heavily focused on fat and protein. Gotcha. And then you had, I had some patients that were experiencing very low blood sugars because they were on X amount of insulin and then they would get on this diet and because they were reducing the carbs, they would experience these low blood sugars because they didn't have the guidance to get on this diet. Okay. And other things that would, would occur with these patients with the low blood sugars was that some of them would say, my blood sugars are always high. You know, so it, it, I think, and that's why it's important to highlight that everyone is different, you know, so constipation was one of the, the things that I would see elevated cholesterol too, because pe- people would be, you know, eating all the, the bacon and all the fats that they wanted. Mm-hmm. And this will then result to elevated cholesterol. So, so yeah, so ultimately, that those were the things that you would see with these patients and ultimately you do have some doctors that love the keto but it's not fit for everyone and that's why i tell you know my patients when you're thinking about establishing a quote unquote diet make sure that it's something that you're going to be able to sustain in the long run you know mm-hmm. make sure that if this is something that you're going to do, it's not going to be a burden to you. Gotcha. It's something that is ultimately not going to bring on stress. Because anytime you hear that a specific diet is targeting a specific food group, that's a red flag. And that should be a red flag because my patients, they eat everything they have a well-balanced diet and I never tell my patients you can't have this Mm. my my point is always to allow patients to make the the decisions for themselves but also help them understand food for what it is how it's gonna affect your blood sugar how we can modify this and how we could properly pair this to help delay that blood sugar yeah. So it can turn out to be healthy. So it's a lot of trial and error because you might be trying something that you might have heard, oh, hey, you can't have this. And then you try it, you pair it the way that you should. And then you test that blood sugar and you surprise yourself and you're like, wow, my blood sugar is where it, it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So I I went through all of this, meaning eliminating all these food groups for nothing. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I see that in the um, in the gestational diabetes support groups. <laughs> it's truly, it's funny sometimes because a mom will post something like, um, you know, she had her meal and had um, brown rice and it worked for her. She had great sugars after. And then another one will say that, you know, she had white rice and she had no problem. Uh, and then maybe another one will say, I had two bites of rice and my sugar spiked so high, you know? So uh, it's just funny how, just how, I shouldn't say finicky. Well, it's funny how, how different everyone is and how things uh, do affect you. Um, and then, you know, you reminded me of my friend. I have a friend who did keto for a long time and it was great for her. She lost the weight just like she wanted to. She was losing the baby weight. And then um, she, she decided to wean herself off of the keto diet. And she got what she called the keto flu, where she gained the weight back and um, her body just went through a bunch of different symptoms um, that kind of made her feel sick for about a week or so. And then she kind of leveled out, but she started to gain the weight back um, or the, the weight kept coming back, even though she hadn't returned to the, the normal eating patterns that she had before doing keto. And then, um, so she got back on the keto diet and then she got pregnant again. And so she came off of it. And then now she, her three babies are done. She's done having babies, I think. And she, she returned to the keto diet again after the last pregnancy, but now she's off of it again. And she mentioned that she did go through the keto flu again, but now she's back to a place where she has a good routine with her exercise and um, whatever she's eating and she was able to um, take the weight off and keep it off um, but overall she feels better about being off of the keto diet because she does feel more free in being able to choose what she wants to eat and she feels better about herself that she's able to control or not control but manage her weight the way that she wants to without having to do um, quote-unquote extreme measures so mm -hmm. that's great yeah. that's great I think that it all comes down to you finding out what works best for you and what you can, you know, sustain in the long run. Because I think that half of the time, individuals are looking for a quick fix. And yeah. I usually come across that with my patients where they're on this fad diet, they see those results, but then I see them again and we're back to square one. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it, it's so unfortunate because I always emphasize it takes time. And half yeah. of the time people are looking for extreme overnight results. And I think that that's why they continue to um, fall into these systems and diets. Right. Yeah, and I know, I know for the moms listening, you might not think this is applicable because gestational diabetes only lasts for the period of pregnancy, but there are some moms that want to continue um, this type of diet as they, uh, in postpartum and as they go on, and a lot of people do talk about, you know, going keto or just doing keto because it's easier. It's kind of like a, a plan for you to follow without you having to figure out a whole lot of stuff. And so these are just some things to consider in case you guys are thinking about doing keto after pregnancy or, um, yeah, just wanting to make any kind of uh, diet change. So fad diets, oh man, they're, they're money makers. Let me say that. 
Yeah. That's what they are. The industry has, has recognized that the, they're money makers and that's what um, they're made for. I mean, I think the biggest takeaway from our conversation today that I would love for your listeners to understand is that one, when you're diagnosed with gestational diabetes, it's not your fault. And I work with patients that have gestational diabetes and I always emphasize it. You know, it's not your fault. So don't put that burden on you like you're doing something wrong because it's not. The biggest thing is making sure that you are being gracious towards yourself, but also making sure that you're getting those resources that are actually credible. Not just because you're reading it, not just because your doctor is telling you, you know, making sure that when you're trying to make these changes and find a way that it's something that is going to be sustainable for you during that period. Because that's the, that's the biggest thing where you're always going to hear about something that might be the solution. But I always emphasize, think about the consequences that that might bring. Mm. When I work with, with my patients, I help them understand okay, these are the foods that are going to have an impact on your blood sugars, but just because they're having an impact doesn't mean that you have to eliminate them because at the end of the day, we need food as energy and our body uses sugar as energy, whether you like it or not. So it's just a matter of being patient, but also being open to trial and error. So just because you had something that might've given you that number, that quote unquote, and, and I always say that number because we're always aiming for the perfect, just because you got that, you didn't get that perfect number doesn't mean that there's not room for modification moving forward. Like always reevaluate and say, what could I have done differently? Don't think automatically, well, I need to eliminate this food. Think, how can I modify this meal so next time I won't come across the same problem? Right. Cool. Yeah, because I'm thinking I'm I'm from New Orleans and the number one staple in New Orleans is red beans and rice, you know? Now, I've never really, it's not a staple in my household to where I I eat it often, but... um, uh, when I mean beans are good you know beans are they are carbs but they also they're also protein and fiber you know mm-hmm. so instead of putting one to two cups of rice into the the bowl of red beans you know maybe just half a cup or you know if less the good thing is that as we check our blood sugars that's the data that we need that will inform us mm-hmm. inform us of uh changing of what changes we need to make and then also sometimes we put um sausage in so that's added protein you know mm-hmm. but um but yeah so that's just one example from where i'm from in my culture <clears throat> excuse me so um what are three or i don't know if you have three but what are a couple of snacks that you are enjoying right now? Woo, a couple snacks that I am enjoying right now. One is yogurt. I love okay. yogurt. I, I love the Siggy's brand. I don't know if the listeners or even yourself 
have heard of it, but mm-hmm. I love Siggy's because it's great in protein. You can get it low fat as well. And it is very satisfying and it's great for blood sugars. So typically uh, that's one of my go-to apples and peanut butter. I love apples and peanut butter. Absolutely love it. It's perfect combination. You, you know, you have the apple, it's giving you that sweetness. And then you have the peanut butter, which is the protein and the healthy fat. And I would say my last snack, like my go-to snack. Hmm. I would have to say the kettle chips. Oh, really? My mom (laughs) loves those. I love kettle chips. So let me just say, I love them. Absolutely love them. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a great chat. It was very informative. I'm I'm very appreciative. Thank you so much. Of course. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. And I really hope that this will be, you know, useful for your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Great. All right, guys, I know that the keto diet is a great thing for many people. And for some people, they're like, I'm not going anywhere near it. I love my carbs. And, you know, it's a little bit controversial, just like any diet. And by no means do I intend for this episode to be controversial. I just want to give you guys a different perspective of what's out there. Because a lot of times keto, the keto diet is associated with gestational diabetes as a good thing. And I'm not saying that it's not, you know, in gestational diabetes, you're having to change your diet immediately and it's a temporary thing and all that. But there are moms that talk about going keto after pregnancy and even for anyone that is doing keto now and just not pregnancy related, you know, um, like she said, like Madeline said, it's, it's a one by one case. It's a one by one scenario. Diabetes, there's no one size fits all. And if, if being, uh, if eating a vastly ketogenic diet or all the way ketogenic diet is working for you, then great. I'm, that's awesome. But like I said, this was just to give you another perspective and to, um, to inform, because that's what it's about, right? We want to get as much information as we have available so that we can make uh, educated and the best decision for ourselves. So I'm going to link to Madeline's Instagram page in the notes. Her Instagram, if you want to go straight there, is diabetes.rd for registered dietitian. And also, I want to mention our recipe of the week this week. It is a crustless broccoli and cheese quiche. It's super easy to make and it has a little kick to it. So I'll link that in the notes as well. If you guys have any questions or anything you want to add to the conversation, please go to the blog post that's linked in the notes and scroll all the way down to the comment section and leave a comment. Other than that, guys, thanks so much for listening. Do me a favor and leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It would help so much. It'll help more moms see this content. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you next time.